Good morning, church. Go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue our study of Philippians. Well, first off, I'll introduce myself. I feel like everybody was getting introduced this morning, which is uh, exciting. My name's RJ. I'm the youth pastor here at Bear Valley Church, and uh, I'm excited to get to come preach today. Uh, we thought, you know, Kevin should have a Sunday off. You know, he had some things going on last, what, yesterday, all week, a couple weeks. He said he wants to do it again in three months, so I think they're looking forward to that, right? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. It was a great party last night. I hope that you made it. Um, it was really neat to see the church come together and celebrate uh, two young people, two of our own young people uh, coming together in marriage. Uh, it was really special. I thought that was a super sweet time. Uh, so thank you for being here. And like Kevin said, it was cool to see the church working and serving in that way. Uh, very much enjoyed that. Well, we're going to continue our study in Philippians, picking up uh, where Kevin left off last week. If you would stand with me, we will read from Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, our passage today is going to be verses 9 through 11, but we'll read uh, starting at verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being, found, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We pray for us. God, thank you uh, that we get to come together today with, uh, with your people and as your people uh, to worship and praise you. Uh, we get to look at your word. We get to consider you, uh, what you've done and what you've done through your Son. God, I pray that you would uh, speak clearly through your word this morning, that it will encourage and challenge us, help us to know you more. God, as we pray it, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. I pray that that would happen this morning, that we would know Jesus better as we look at your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. All right, we're starting in verse 9, and the only problem with starting in verse 9 is the first word is therefore, uh, which is a tough spot to start um, because you're coming into the middle of a sentence. You're coming into a middle of a thought. So uh, we're going to have to do a little bit of review to understand uh, why that therefore is there. Um, so let's consider what Paul has told us before in the previous verses. So therefore, or because of this, God is what he's saying in verse 9. Because of this, God has highly exalted him. So because of what? Well, if you were listening there, reading along as we read, uh, you'll see that 
Christ's humility was being shown and displayed to us. We were being reminded of the humility of Christ that he displayed to us. The, the humility of Christ that he went through. It's that Christ was considering others as more significant than himself. Can you imagine that? Like I, I just stop and I always think of that every time I go through Philippians 2. I go, you know, have the same mind as Christ, you know, who gave himself for us. You consider others as more significant of yourself. Have that mind. Christ who didn't hold on to being God, like didn't consider being the same as God, something to be gripped onto and held onto, but emptied himself. Why? Why would he do that? that? That's that's insane. That's crazy to me. As I look at that, I go, God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to do this, to consider you and I as more significant, to consider our interest. What was our interest? Like our interests were like, we were dead in our sins. We were lost. We were hopeless. We were in some serious trouble. We couldn't do anything about it. We couldn't do anything to fix it. So Jesus considered our interest and said, how can I serve these people? How can I help them? The God who has existed since forever, had no beginning, spoke the world and created the world, is concerned about our interests. And he wasn't just consider concerned about our interests like oh i'll get involved if it's not hard if it's easy you know i'll just do a little bit of something the humiliation that we see christ go through for us we see that jesus humbled himself by becoming a man becoming his own creation that that is such an ununderstandable act of humility I think this whole act of humiliation that Christ goes through that we're looking at and we've looked at the last several weeks, I, I, I don't think we'll begin to understand it. I think one day when we're in heaven, when, once we're with God and we see the glorified Jesus, we'll get a better understanding and we're going to go, whoa, that was way more humble than I thought it was. And I think as we go on and we learn more and more about God and Jesus, we will continue to understand the humility of Jesus to take on flesh and become man. But Jesus didn't stop at just becoming man or taking on flesh. Uh, That would have been humble even if he came down as the ruler of the whole world with all wealth and all privileges uh, and was you know free of pain and suffering. That still would have been a humble thing for him to do. But he came as a servant. He took the role of a slave. We could, we could see that as he washed his disciples' feet. He wrapped the towel around his waist and he stooped down and he washed the feet of his own disciples. He came as a very humble man. His humility continued as he continued forward and he was obedient, we are told, even to the point of death. And not not a swift death, not an easy death, not even a natural death, but a tortured, torturous death. A death on a cross. A humiliating death. It'd be humiliating for me or for you to die that death. The God of the universe to die on a cross. The humility is intense. Why? Why all of this? Well, it was in obedience to God who loves us. God who loves us so much that He didn't spare His own Son from this humiliation, but sent His Son to love us and to save us. 
He's gone to these incredibly huge lengths to rescue us from God's wrath and from our sin. So considering this humility, considering this uh, this service, this attitude of a servant, Paul's telling us, look at Christ and His humility and His service and the way He does that. And then in verse 9, therefore, because of these things, because of all those things that we just mentioned, God has done something. What has God done? God has highly exalted Him. God has highly exalted him. He's, he's super exalted him. He's exalted him higher than anyone else has ever been exalted before. And I'll, I'll pause there for a second because exalted is a weird word. And I've, I've, you know, we don't use it unless we're reading scripture. At least I don't. I don't know. Maybe you use it with your kids at home. Uh, my kids would look confused at me if I used it with them, I think. Uh, but the idea of exalting something is lifting it up, uh, praising its name, making it, making it great, telling everyone else around you how great it is. Encouraging others to look at that and say, isn't this fantastic? Isn't this wonderful because of who it is, because of what it is? And we, we exalt things all the time in our culture, um, rightly and mostly wrongly. Um, you know, I used the Dodgers earlier. I said they're going to be the greatest team this year. Uh, you know, we want to exalt them, tell everyone else they're going to be great and they're going to be awesome. I still haven't convinced Kevin, but Caleb and I are working on it. Think we'll get them? I don't think we got a chance <laughs> next year. But that's the idea of exalting, telling everyone else how great they are too, so that everyone can enjoy how great they are. And, and what's great about God or great about Jesus specifically here is we can all agree that he's great. And we, we talk about other things, sports teams or whatever, so there's arguments of who's the greatest and who's the best. Uh, but when we talk about Jesus, hopefully at least in this room amongst God's people, we can look at Jesus and say, yes, he is the most highly exalted. He is lifted the highest. He is the greatest. He's the most worthy of praise and honor because of who he is and what he has done. So God has greatly exalted Jesus, this Jesus who set aside his glories and the rights and the privileges of being God to come and serve and love. What's interesting as well as we look at this and we see that it is and I just don't want us to miss this point because I think it's important. It's Jesus who humbles himself. We see that um, all throughout as we look here, that, that Jesus is the one humbling himself. He is doing the humbling. and he, he humbles himself down and down and down. And then it's God who comes in and exalts and lifts him up. Jesus chose to humble himself. Nobody else humbled Jesus. It was not the Pharisees who were trying to trick him and catch him into a, you know, uh, stump him on some questions or even kill him or humiliate him. The Pharisees didn't humiliate or humble Jesus. It, it wasn't Pilate uh, during his trial. That that wasn't who humili- uh, humbled Jesus. It was not the soldiers who mocked and beat Jesus. That was not who humbled Jesus. You know, the criminals on the cross by him, Judas. It was not even Satan that humbled Jesus or his demons. But Jesus Christ humbled himself willfully, purposefully. And God lifted him up. I think this is good for us to see and remind ourselves because Jesus has been teaching us this throughout all of his ministry. 
Uh, we see this throughout all of Jesus' ministry. Uh, you know, the, the first shall be last. And, the servant of, you know, if you want to be uh, the greatest as a servant of all, uh, we see this all through scripture. And it's totally contrary to the way our world works and thinks. Like, if you want to be first, you can't be the servant of anyone. You know, the, the, in our world and where we live, to be first means everyone else serves you. But not in God's kingdom. Jesus teaches over and over again. We see in Matthew 23, 11, he tells us, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself and lifts himself up will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus proves this to be true in his own living, in his own life, as he humbles himself and God exalts him. God highly, greatly exalts Jesus. Jesus proves this to be true. This is how we're told to live with God. We're constantly told that we are to humble ourselves before God. We are to humble ourselves. And we have this option to humble ourselves, which, which makes sense because the, the posture of humility makes sense for you and I. Uh, you know, I, I have lots to be humble about. Uh, Jesus didn't have lots to be humble about. We do. So we should be humbling ourselves before our Lord and our God. Because that's a lot better than the other option, which is exalting ourselves. And if we exalt and lift up ourselves, what do we, what do we see? We see this warning from God that he who exalts himself will be humbled. That's painful. That's not how we want to go. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as we uh, move on through this passage. So we want to see what is, what has God done? Because of what Jesus has done, God has highly exalted Jesus. And then that next point here in verse uh, nine, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see here that God exalts Jesus, but he also gives him a name. The idea here is, is it gives him like a new name is he's exalting him, is he's lifting him high. And, and you read that and immediately we go like, what, what's that name? Jesus, that, he already had that name. Like if you gave him a name, this, what, what is that name? And as we look down at verse 11, we see at the, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that word Lord there, that title, that name that God gives Jesus. It says Jesus is Lord. Now we see that Jesus is Lord is incredibly significant um, and, and just, yeah, it, as we look at this, it, it reminds us of Isaiah 45, which I think Paul clearly has in mind. If you want to look, we can look at Isaiah 45 together. Um, we'll be coming back to Philippians, so you can keep your finger there. Um, but Isaiah 45 is uh, a really incredible ver- uh, chapter in Isaiah. There's several of them that I enjoy very much where Jesus is just, or I'm sorry, God is just, Really laying out how he is the unique God. All other gods are fake. He is the God of power and might, the God of action, the living God. All other gods are false and they're dead. Uh, he, he mocks the false gods. Um, there's some, there's some good ones in Isaiah. Isaiah 45 is amongst them. Isaiah 45 is looking at verse 18. We could see God telling and reminding us who he is and his might and his power. Verse 18 says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, 
who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none other. Skip down with me to verse 22 and 22. This is going to start sounding familiar from what we're reading in Philippians. God continues, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God. There is no other by myself. I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return to me. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. So here we see God telling us the Lord. He is the Lord. The Lord is my name is what God tells us in Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. And then as we look here in Philippians, in God highly exalting or greatly exalting Jesus, we see that he gives him a name. He highly exalts him and gives him the name, the name of the Lord. That God is the same Old Testament, New Testament, today, yesterday, and forever. Christ is lifted up to be recognized by all. As powerful, as mighty, as incredible. We are exalting him. And this is what God is doing. He wants everyone to see that Jesus should be praised. Jesus should be worshipped. This is what we should do. This would be the right response for you and I. And, and I, you know, I'm preaching to the church here. Like, you're like, I'm here. We're doing it right now. And I, I hope and pray that we are. That's why we're here is to praise Jesus, to know Jesus more, to love Jesus more. Uh, and to continue to exalt him in our own hearts because I, I need to, I need to do this. I need this. I need to see you guys here with us together that I'm not showing up to church and it's just one person going, well, I'm going to praise Jesus alone, which we could do. But it's more exciting together to see everyone exalting God and praising him together and worshiping him together. We were saying earlier, is he worthy? The answer to that is he is. He is worthy. We should exalt Him. We should praise Him and we should worship Him in these ways. So what we see here is God greatly exalting Him and giving Him this name uh, that is above all names. It's this idea that as Jesus had set aside these things, had emptied Himself, He is being restored. But uh, not only that uh, Jesus has been given even more glory, he's to be recognized even with more glory by more people. And this is part of this super exalting of him, that we sh- there should be more of a recognition uh, to him and what he has done than he had before he came to earth, before he humbled himself and served the, this way. Uh, the apostles spoke often with the name Lord. You can read that in the New Testament. You read Lord Jesus. And it was almost a shorthand way of abbreviating the gospel for us to remind us of what Jesus has done, of his of his sacrifice, of his humility, and of his being exalted. We see in Romans 10.9, you can remember, tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, there it is again, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That name, that title of Lord was given to Jesus. So at this name that Jesus has been given, as he's been highly exalted, we are told every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. I'm sorry. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Well, the result of being highly exalted and given this name is that he is rec- that the world recognizes him as Lord. That everyone will come to recognize him as Lord. Everyone, even those that are opposed to him, even those who hate him, that mock him, at one point in time are going to have to come to recognize and realize he is Lord. He is the greatest. He is the he is the most powerful. He is who he said he was. He is God. As I think about that, it reminds me of, um, you know, playing high school football. I remember playing high school football and I can remember my very last game as a senior playing at Tatchby High School. Uh, it was, we were in the playoffs. It was the last one. Whoever won is the greatest. And we went up there and it was like, we're the greatest. We know we're the greatest. And we just got to go up here and prove it to this other school that we're the greatest. And we go up there and we play football. And I remember at the end of the game, the other team coming out to the half, the, the middle of the field and getting trophies and standing there and going, but I thought we were the greatest. And looking at that scoreboard up there and going, oh, shoot, <laughs> I guess not. They're the greatest. And we were, we were, we were humbled. We were humbled by the other team and we were reminded that we were not the greatest. Now it's a terrible example when we consider Jesus Christ coming and returning and establishing his kingdom. But those who have been his enemies, those who have rejected him, those who have wanted nothing to do with him will stand there at the end of the end of uh, time and see Christ return. And they too will bow. They too will confess as they realize that Jesus is Lord. But it will be bitter. It will be painful. It will be hard. It will be without joy. It will be without excitement. We have the option today, and this is the great thing. We have the the option, the privilege, and the joy today that we can bend our knee now. We can confess with our tongue now that Jesus is Lord. We can worship and praise Him now. and We can look forward to that future date when Christ does return, where we can praise God and we can confess these things with joy and excitement that our Savior and our God has returned to establish His kingdom forever. Some people, it will be joyous and a great day, but for some other people, it will be a terrible day. God gives us the option to humble ourselves before Him or to be humbled. I beg that we are all taking the option of humbling ourselves before Him. In conclusion here, I want us to remember why Paul is writing these things. It's, he's not writing this so that we just have a list of, hey, these are cool things to know about Jesus. You know, like, I, you know, if I'm ever playing, you know, Bible trivia or something like that, I've got some more good answers. That, that's not why Paul is explaining this. This isn't why God's revealing himself to us. The whole point of verses 1 through 11 can be found if you look back at verse 5. We're to have this mind among ourselves, which is Christ Jesus. It's this idea of having the same mind as Christ Jesus. And, and what is it to have the same mind as Christ Jesus? Verse 3 tells us it's, it's doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It's living in humility and counting others as more significant than yourself. It's letting each of us look not only to our own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is why Paul's writing this whole passage right there, that, that whole thing. Is so that we understand that, that we are to be humble and we are to not be looking out for only our own interests, my own interests. That's all I care about. No. 
We should be looking to the interests of others. We should be counting others as more significant than ourselves. And Paul's saying, do you need an example of this? Let me show you Christ. He did this. God, God without beginning, humbled himself, considered us more significant, considered our needs, our interest over his own interests. He says we need to be like Christ. We need to love like Christ and we need to be humble like Christ. So do we believe these things? Do we believe this about Jesus? Because if we believe this about Jesus, that he humbled himself, that he loved us in this way, then we should respond to this text. We should respond to this and say, yeah, I want to have the same mind as Christ. I want to consider others is more significant than myself. I want to consider others' interest above my own. I'm going to do this. And, and that's my challenge to us as we conclude this passage and, and move on to the next. Uh, let's walk out these doors knowing and hearing this. Are we going to do that? Husbands, are we going to consider our wives as more significant than ourselves on the car ride home today? Parents, are you going to um, look to the interest of your children over your own interests. Members of Bear Valley Church, are we looking out for our guests? Are we taking care of them? Are we considering their interests, their needs, their desires? Children, what about your you know your youth? What about your your uh, brothers or sisters? Do you consider their interests before your own? I've got a brother too. I feel the sting there. Members of the church, are we serving in this way? The church, in children's ministry, VBS, uh, women's ministry, men's ministry. There's there's all kinds of service. I I saw a lot of this yesterday, and it was beautiful at the wedding. I saw lots of service and love, and it was a great thing. And this is how we should live in everything that we do, in all of our interactions with all people. We should be loving them, and we should be living humbly, remembering in our minds who Christ is and what he did. Because if Christ could humble himself so much, if Christ could serve so well, surely I can humble myself around other people and with other people and other relationships and interactions and I can serve others' interests as well. What we believe about Jesus is the most important beliefs we hold. And I, I hope that you believe, as we've seen here, That Jesus did in fact humble himself and go to the cross. Dying for our sins. Because he cared about our interests. Because he cares about you and I and he loves us and wanted to save us from our sins. He did this in obedience to God. And because of this, God has lifted him high, has exalted him higher than anyone else. He has lifted him up, making, you know, making him Lord of all. If you believe these things, I encourage you, let's walk out of here today and try and live like this, considering others' interest above our own. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, that you love us so much that you did not hold back your own son, but you freely gave him.
God, we we live such busy lives, and it's hard to re, it's hard to remember and, and keep in front of our minds and our eyes who Christ is and what He has done for us. But I pray that you would help us to know Christ and to think of Christ and to think of you often. To filter all that we say and do through who you are and what you've done. That is right that Christ is highly exalted. And I pray that we would live lives that do that, that exalt him, that praise him and worship him at work, at home, uh, when we're out playing. Whatever we may do, God, I pray that we would lift the name of Jesus high. That we would come together with your people and lift his name high and praise him and worship him. That we would even even take people who don't know him and tell them how great and awesome your son is. God, thank you so much for loving us in such a great way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next week.